So we're going to wrap up a series today. If you've got your Bible with you, we're going to be in Matthew 25. If you don't, that's cool because we put it inside your outline. You can grab that. Pastor Derek preached on the first part of Matthew 25. I preached all of Matthew 24. Pastor Brian, a couple months ago, preached on the middle section, the story of the talents. And today I'm going to talk about sheep and goats. Ready? Here we go. The Bible says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see, when did we see you were hungry and feed you? Or thirsty, give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needed clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in, and I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and eating clothes or sick and in prison and didn't help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these You did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This passage freaks some people out. Most people are tempted to read it and do what I call caveman theology. Okay? You read it and this is your response. Sheep, good. Goat, bad. Be nice. That's how it works, right? And that's your takeaway. The passage is difficult because it's both a parable and a prophecy. It's a prophecy because this is actually going to happen, but it's a word picture that God uses to describe an actual future event. The Bible's describing a place in human history when everything has run its course and God's going to bring everything to an end with the return of Jesus. And part of that returns and that includes a final judgment of human beings who are going to spend eternity with God or without God, depending on whether or not they had a personal relationship with the good shepherd. We don't like talking about judgment, but here's an interesting thing. Over 80% of people in the United States believe that somehow, someway, they're going to answer for this life to somebody. So with that being said, we're going to deal with some deep theology today, okay? We're going to go super, super deep, so deep it's going to scare some of you, but I need you to stick with me, okay? So here's the first unbelievable deep point from this complex piece of Scripture. There are sheep and there are goats, That's it. Was that deep enough for you? Okay. Verse 32 says there's sheep and there's goats. I remember hearing this story as a kid and I had no idea why God Almighty would waste his time sorting livestock. But I figured, hey, you're God. You can do whatever it is that you want to. And then as a middle schooler, I kind of figured out, oh, maybe this is referring to people. Christians, those who follow Jesus, those are sheep and that's good. Non-Christians, those who don't follow Jesus, God, that, that Jesus, that, you know, that, that they're goats, and, and ultimately, according to the story, they, it ends up very, very bad. And I was kind of confused, because here's my reality. I like goats. I just do, all right? 
I like goats, and I was confused, so I did some research on sheep. And here's what you need to know about sheep. When the Bible calls you sheep, us sheep, it's not a compliment, okay? Sheep are dumb. I don't know how else to put it to you. Sheep are just dumb. But apparently they follow well, which works out very, very well for them as they're getting ready for the end of the world. Goats, on the other hand, are stubborn, independent. They follow their own will. They're their own boss. And apparently it doesn't work for them so well when they follow their own way of life instead of the life of the good shepherd. And the Bible says it, that God's going to judge both the sheep and the goats, those who followed Christ and those who did not. And there's coming a day when he's going to divide and separate and categorize, and that bugs some of us. In fact, some of us are like, that's offensive, that God would actually draw some lines. I want to remind you of something again. Just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. The Bible says that God's going to draw a line at some point. And the line is going to be very, very divisive. Sheep and goats, saved and unsaved, Jesus followers and Jesus resistors. I can imagine there's going to be some confusion on that day because a lot of people in this country just assume they're sheep. Over 80% of the people in the United States that were polled consider themselves to be Christians. I think there's going to be a lot of shocked people on that day when it's just like, whoa, 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 what am I doing on the goat side? I went to church, I sang the songs, I did the classes, I was a really, really, really good person. And the king in that moment with a broken heart is going to say, so what that makes you is a goat in sheep's clothing. Because I don't know you because you don't know me. You did a lot of things, but you never knew me. I think there's also going to be another group of people who are going to be very surprised on that day. They're the people with broken pasts and wounds and scars who've spent a lifetime wondering how in the world God could love somebody like us. And they spent a lifetime hanging to a promise of amazing grace. And they can look back to a moment when God called them out of their brokenness and they began to follow a good shepherd who promised to lay down his life for the sheep. And they are amazed when they're numbered with God's blessed, not because they knew about God, but because they actually knew Jesus. So self-assessment time, 10 o'clock. Sheep or goat? It's your choice. Your choice. Let's move on. Here's another deep piece of theology. Both the sheep and the goats are clueless. Okay? I really want you to notice this. I noticed this for the first time when I was studying this past week. Both groups, the sheep and the goats, ask the same question. And the question is like this. Uh, Excuse me, king. Uh, Just exactly when did this occur? Because I don't actually remember seeing you on a street corner or meeting you in prison. I, never remind, I don't remember buying you a sandwich or getting you something cold to drink. It just doesn't register in my memory. They're both clueless until the king provides some clarification and he makes this assertion. It's a strong assertion. He says this, the way you treated the least of these is truly the way you treated me. Let me put it another way. According to the way the king of the universe views life, number three... I treat God the same way that I treat those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and imprisoned. 
That scares me because if I was honest, I spend most of my time avoiding people in those categories. How about you? I treat God the same way I treat those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, and in prison. You don't have to go to Africa to see all of these kinds of people. It's everywhere. But one year ago, this fall, I met all of these folks in Africa. I met people who had no food, no water, no clothing, and because they didn't have those three basic elements, they were all sick. I met people who were imprisoned within a social structure of poverty. And I met people who were actually in prison. And I had the normal emotional response that I think every single one of you would have had. I'm no different than anybody else in the room. When I went to Africa, I felt guilty. I felt guilty about my closet. I felt guilty about my refrigerator. I felt guilty about my water taps. I felt guilty about the fact that I was free and had a car and could go wherever I wanted to. I felt, I just felt guilty guilty. I just finished reading Richard Stern's book, The Hole in Our Gospel, and his words were ringing in my ears. I'm going to read his paraphrase of Matthew 25. I'm going to warn you, prepare to be deeply offended. Okay? He says this, for I was hungry, but you went out to eat again. I was thirsty, but you drank bottled water. I was a stranger, and you just wanted me deported. I needed clothes, but apparently you needed more clothes. I was sick, and you just pointed out all the behaviors that made me sick. I was in prison, and your response was to say, you're getting what you deserve. So I responded when I came back like I think everybody would. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to banish global hunger. I wanted to dig a well with my bare hands. I wanted to buy out Walmart and give it all away. And I wanted to guilt every single one of you into doing it with me. Let's be honest. I want you to hear something. Please hear this so that you don't walk out of here with your shame button so triggered that you just walk out angry. Listen to what the word is actually saying. The righteous in the story were commended because they did something. Not because they had to, but because they were motivated by Jesus to move beyond good intentions and embrace their role as the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. They fed somebody. They gave somebody a drink. They welcomed a stranger into their lives. They put clothes on somebody's back. They cared for someone who was sick. They visited someone who was locked up. I want you to notice this. They didn't do everything. They just did something. They didn't help everybody. They just helped someone. They didn't take care of all the problems. They just did what they could, where they were, with what they had. And the king says, because you did He didn't say, because you did, you were saved. He said, because you did, you were blessed. You were blessed. And the world was able to look at you and say, that's got to be a sheep. One of the ways we try to live this out at Christ the King Church is what, through what we call the Christ the King blessing. Every year... Regardless of how the economy is, we open the door for people to help other people in our community who are facing extraordinary, mind-blowing challenges. We can't help everybody. That's the reality of it. You know, there's this much need and there's this much resource. That's just the reality of the world that we're in right now. 
But about nine months ago, many of you became a part of a miracle and you didn't even know you were a part of it. A year ago, we did the same thing with the little green envelopes and a whole bunch of people here in this church went above and beyond and they just stuck some stuff in an envelope. And, and nine months ago, a young family from our church really, really needed it. They had a toddler and a baby on the way. The amazing thing about this family is they had an amazing support system already. The BP community rallied around them. Their family system rallied around them. And as a church, we just got to fill in all of the cracks. I'd like to introduce you to a young couple that you got to be a miracle for. Their names are Dominic and Teresa. They're a part of your family, and this miracle has been unfolding right before your eyes, whether you knew it or not. And this is their story. Let's watch it together. Sunday, May 1st, um, around 3 o'clock, I'm sitting out on the deck, and our two-year-old wakes up. He was a little bit cranky, so being eight months pregnant, you know, I always like to have Dominic help me out. So I grab Trey, and we head down the stairs, and when Trey and I walked into the shop and, and saw Dominic, he was, he was laying face down with the ladder on top of him, and his forehead was bloody where it hit the concrete, and that's when we called 911. I couldn't even remember anything. It was just, it was just kind of crazy. I m missed like, I don't know, 10 calls, and it was Dante. Did you hear about Dominic? No, what? And he said he fell in his shop, and they're taking him to the hospital. I found out about the accident from Teresa. She had texted me. It, it just didn't seem real. It's Dominic, you know, he's gonna be fine, he's superhuman, we're gonna get to the hospital, he's gonna be blowing up the gloves, and you know, I mean, it, it, it's Dominic, he's gonna be fine. When I walked into the emergency room, I knew, I knew immediately it was, it was bad. You know, he was hooked up to tons of machines and he had the neck brace on and... He needed a emergency surgery. People from just everywhere started pouring in, my family, Dominic's family, friends from work, um, people from church. People showed us going down to Harvard would be a good choice because they deal with head traumas every day. We had people just driving back and forth. I mean, there was, there was cars going both ways almost every day for the entire month. We got to focus on Dominic. People came and supported the family in every way, shape, or form. We didn't have to worry about anything but him and being there for him and focusing on him and everybody else took care of everything else. I think it's a true testament what Christ the King has done in this community. I mean, the church coming and saying, parking's covered, gas is covered, what do you, you know, what do you need? Those things were taken care of and I got to be with Dominic and, and love him and show him support and that was awesome. Even, even after we got discharged from Harborview, the CTK blessing didn't stop. We came home and I had a phone call from Teresa Hansen and she was saying, what can we get for you? And it wasn't just that one time. She, every couple weeks, she would call me and see how we were doing. Physically, he was coming back quickly, but we didn't know what his mind was gonna be like. And I remember thinking and like feeling so overwhelmed, like Trey and Tavia are not gonna know the Dominic that we know. And that was so sad to me because 
is such an amazing person. He's an amazing father. He's an amazing husband. I'm like, Teresa's not. What if Teresa doesn't have her husband back? Before it was, I wouldn't ever get frustrated, but now I get kind of frustrated because I want to get those words and it's like, I want to do it all the time, but I, oh, it gets me all the time. Yeah. It's just, ah, oh, frustrating. He will go through these phases, uh, but he'll, he'll be back. I think by giving to the CTK blessing, you can know that it's going to be used in a way that is going to bless somebody, encourage somebody, and give somebody hope. I don't know who gave the money that made us, um, paid my rent for that week in the apartment or bought our groceries, but I just know that there are people and there are a lot of people that are pulling for us. Just is an awesome feeling to be connected connected to CDK and connected to people with such huge, generous hearts. Feels very good. I, uh, was in Seattle a couple of weeks after the accident happened and it was early, early in the morning. I slipped into Harborview and Wren was there um, looking after his brother. And I remember writing I remember writing out my prayer in my journal. God, Trey needs to play baseball with his dad. Could you make that happen? I didn't get to see the video until yesterday afternoon when they showed those scenes of that little guy with that baseball bat. I'm like, God. I actually think, uh, Dom and Teresa, are you guys here somewhere? I'm like, I know. I knew you were trying to come at the 10 o'clock. Are you hiding somewhere? Yeah, they are right back there. That's our miracle, right back there in the middle of that section. God bless you guys. Awesome. (laughs) He doesn't know it yet, but someday Dominic's going to get up here and he's going to preach. It's going to be awesome. That little green envelope is your opportunity to be somebody else's miracle. It's above and beyond. It's not just taken from one thing that you normally do and sticking it in the envelope. It's just an opportunity to help somebody that suddenly finds themselves being one of the least of these. And it's our opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. All right, let's wrap up. Number four from Matthew 25. The king remembers small acts of kindness that we've forgotten. All right. Whatcom County lost an incredible human being this past week. If you ever had the opportunity to go to Walmart and you met a greeter at the front door by the name of Tim in a wheelchair, if you got to talk to Tim, then you were unbelievably blessed. Tim was an amazing human being. Tim's wheelchair didn't define him. He had spina bifida, but that didn't stop him. Tim was a man who chose to live above his restrictions. And if you ever met him, you know this statement to be true. He was pure, unadulterated joy. His goal was to make everybody's day, if you ever walked into Walmart. Last Sunday morning, Tim went home to be with Jesus. And I believe when he rolled up to the gate... God stood him up and stretched his legs and said, Timmy, let's go for a run. Some of you think I'm going to tell a nice story about something that I did nice for Tim because a lot of people would put 
a person in a wheelchair in the least of these category, but if that's what you're thinking, you're absolutely wrong. On two different occasions in the past 10 months, I just happened to be having a very, very bad day, the kind of a day when a shepherd wants to shoot sheep. being straight, right? We're honest here. Just one of those days when I got, I got bit a couple of times and I discovered that sometimes sheep can be petty and sometimes sheep can be selfish. And sometimes sheep with their little tiny hooves like to tap out little nasty emails and send them to me. Two different occasions. My day was so bad, I just wanted to quit. You've had days like that, right? You just want to walk away from it and go, there's got to be something easier to do in life than this kind of stuff. On both of those days in God's providence, my wife called me and said, I need you to stop by Walmart on the way home. (sighs) Seriously? (laughs) Really? So I went to Walmart and in God's providence, me and my bad bad mood ran into Tim. And he greeted me the same way that he always greeted me. Pastor Grant, how are you doing, brother? How are you doing, brother? You know, for some reason on those particular days, I just decided not to lie to him. So I told him, actually not doing very good, Tim. And he didn't give me a pep talk. He just violated every rule in the Walmart greeter handbook. <laughs> and he prayed for me out loud. Prayed, said Amen. And then basically slapped me on the butt and said, you keep your chin up and keep going. (laughs) Last week, when Tim got home, I believe the king of all glory sat down with him and said, Tim, this is going to take a while, but I'm going to explain to you every single time you touch the human being when they walk through the door of Walmart, and I'm going to show you how I just began to move their lives around because you were just kind. Tim did what he could, where he was, with the people that God put right in front of him. And by doing that, he may as well have been wearing a sign that said, I'm a sheep. The famous preacher Haddon Robinson says, Matthew says that those who belong to the king, who have allowed him to do a deep work in their lives, are characterized by little unremembered acts of kindness and love that just flow from their inner nature, which has been touched by God as naturally as wool comes from the back of a sheep. I have a picture in my mind of a conversation that I hope to have whenever it is that God says the curtain's going to close on the end of the world. If you haven't been here for the whole series, we have no idea when that's going to be. Quit trying to figure it out, okay? But I've got in my mind a conversation that I really, really hope happens I believe it's going to happen sometime, who knows when, but, you know, probably after the rapture, after the marriage supper of the Lamb, after the second coming of Jesus, after the moment when we all find out that to a certain extent we were all wrong about how it all played out. That the arrows were all in a different order and we're all going to go, oh, shoot, I missed it, right? But I picture a conversation that's going to kind of go like this. The king is going to stand up and I'm going to walk through the gate and he's going to go, hey, fishbook, come here for a second. Yes, sir? Do you remember what happened on June the 5th, 2003? And my mind will go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember what happened on June 5th, 2003. That was the day that I was named as the senior pastor of Christ the King Community Church at a special business meeting that was called for the members. And the king will say, 
Yeah, never really liked business meetings. Never really saw the point. And for the record, I don't give a rip about your title, and that wasn't what I was talking about, but... But actually, what I was talking about was whether or not you remember a guy who was sitting outside of the church that afternoon, and he didn't care about your title either. His heart was just broken, and you took two minutes to pray with him. And I'll say, you know, I don't really remember that, Jesus. And he'll say, well, I remember it because supernaturally, that was me. And it mattered. I said, I hope to have that conversation. I do. And I hope we get to listen in on other people's conversations too because I'd love to know who the person was 17 years ago after my wife's dad passed away and we were trying to get to Saskatchewan and I didn't know if we had enough gas to make it all the way. I'd love to know who slipped into my garage while we were packing the car and put four crisp $20 Canadian bills inside of an envelope and stuck it under the windshield. Because I'd like to tell them thank you and I'd like to say it mattered. I'd like to know who the person was last Sunday that put a little tiny sticky note on my windshield that said, just keep preaching. Because I have no idea how to explain it to you. I have no idea how it works. But my Bible says this, somehow it went through my frail human fingers and into the hands of Almighty God. And somehow you didn't give a sticky note to me, you gave it to him. And someday he's going to write it out and say, you remember that moment? And you'll go, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And he'll say, I know, but I know what you're talking about. You know, it's easy to talk about these things, even harder to do them. So I'm going to give you some homework, okay? Here's the deal. This is what I want you to do this week. Every single person in the room, no exceptions. At some point, because of how blessed we are in the culture that we live in, you're probably going to end up in a drive through at a coffee shop. I want you to check your rearview mirror. It's a fifth, if it's a 15-passenger van behind you, you may want to rethink this, okay? <laughs> but if it's a car with a sole occupant, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pay for their beverage. Just because. Because you've been blessed to be a blessing, not to make yourself feel guilty. Please don't tell the barista to say to the car behind you, there are four spiritual laws. And the first thing you need to say is God loves them and they have a wonderful plan for your life. Don't want you to stick a stupid Christian bumper sticker on it. I just want you to pay for it and drive away and be so unbelievably thankful that you have an opportunity to pick up somebody's tab just like Jesus picked up yours. And it won't matter if we never hear a single story back on what it is that goes on in this coming week. Because the Bible says there will come a day when the king of all creation will sit down and say, there was a Tuesday afternoon and a single mom who was just having a really, really rough time. And you paid for her coffee and in some supernatural way You did it to me. You did it because you're a sheep. That's what sheep do. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for this day and this moment and my brothers and my sisters. I pray that we would all number ourselves as followers of God 
and that we wouldn't develop a works theology. Lord, I thank you that these little things don't save us. They just allow us to be a little more like you. So, Lord, may we have an opportunity this week to feed somebody who's hungry for a little bit of encouragement, to give somebody a drink who's absolutely famished and thirsty, to know that somebody loves and cares them somewhere along the way. And, Lord, may we also know that the least of these very often don't live here. May our eyes look to the world and to the globe And may our heart be broken by what breaks yours. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We are not done yet. We're going to continue in our worship. As part of our worship time, we're going to give back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're a guest today, I need you to do me a favor. If you're visiting with us, when the offering comes down your row, just pass it to the next person. We don't want anything from you at all as a visitor. Your gift to us is the fact that you came. We hope you'll come back and see us real soon. The ushers are going to start in the back, work their way towards the front, and Seth is going to lead us in some worship songs. And we're just going to take this time to reflect and think and give praise to the God who someday says... At the end of the world, whenever that comes, I'm going to pull my sheep to myself. We're going to have a beautiful conversation about how they touch lives and hearts in the middle of their everyday lives. Please pray for Jim and Claire. They're members of our family. I think it's the least that we can do. God bless you guys. Have a good week.